Boy, I love hearing that too. And every week it means you're in for a treat because it's time for another edition of the Rec Poker Podcast. Uh, my name is Jim Reed. I've got the best freaking job in the world. I get to hang out here on Monday night and talk to my poker friends about this game that we all love so much. Uh, that's what Rec Poker is all about. Um, so I got to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino. And in fact, uh, this whole episode, we're going to be talking about a tournament that they're coming up, a free roll tournament. Uh, that we think we might have some ideas on how to maximize your EV in the tournament. So um, big thanks to the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. Uh, big thanks to our premium members. You know, most of what we do here is free. We're a largely volunteer-based uh, organization. Um, so we really rely on the support of our premium members. Uh, folks like Eric Anderson, who's going to be here in the conversation today. One of the perks of being a premium member is that you get to come join the Zoom chat uh, for our, the forums edition that we have every week. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, whether it's the book studies, the Poker Tracker 4 review group, Eric's Play, Explain, and Learn, Chris's uh, Deep Dive. Uh, there's just so many amazing ways to get involved, to unlock some of this learning material that we put out every month, to get behind the scenes with our Learning with Partners program, to check out the material at some of the other fantastic poker training sites out there. That's what we're all about here at Rec Poker, learning poker and having fun together. So... I think I said already, my name's Jim Reed. I have the best job in the world. Um, I'm Rec Poker Jim on Twitter and Bluffsterini in the home game. Uh, but I'm just one man. They give me the mic on Mondays, but I'm really just part of this leadership group here, this village that it takes to run Rec Poker. We call it the Wrecking Crew. And if you want to find out more about me and the other members on the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew. But listen up, you're going to meet a few of them right here tonight on the air. Hi, I'm Ben Enslow, um, BJM in 96 over on Twitch. You can find the rest of my socials there. And I'm um, East Coast Bitter in the home game. And I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. My name is Eric Jin. I am Binkley on the forums. I play a COM Binkley in the home games. And I'm Rec Binkley on Twitter. Poker Geek Jump. MN everywhere. You just cut out a little there, but that is the one and only John Somsky. We did hear that you are Poker Geek MN everywhere. All right. That's true. <laughs> and I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. I'm Taylor Moss. I'm at Taylor underscore Moss on Twitter and Gopherboy TJM in the home game. Like I said, we are pleased to be welcome, uh, pleased to be joined by our uh, premium members here every week that we do the forums edition of the show. Uh, this week, we've got prolific forums poster and regular on the Rec Poker Forums Edition podcast, Eric Anderson. Eric, uh, please welcome uh, Rec Poker Nation and tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at eanderson85 on Poker Stars and at rec.poker. And uh, for all you other premium members who are having a great time listening to the show, uh, be like Eric. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of surprised we don't get more premium members coming out here and joining us on the podcast. We have a very robust group uh, that come and join our strategy conversations and our book studies and all the other study groups and stuff that we do. Uh, but come on and come on the show. Come on the air. And if there's a hand or a spot uh, from a tournament or a cash game that you've played recently that you'd like to analyze with the rest of the Wrecking Crew, there's no better way than to come do it on the forums edition of the show. So um, head on over to rec.poker. The homepage has a little calendar. If you just scroll down a little bit, you can see all the great stuff that's going on. And uh, on Monday nights, after the chats edition, we often have a forums recording. So feel free to jump in here and join the rest of the group. 
So uh, like I say, often we look at a particular spot from the forum. Someone will post an area where they feel like they've got something to learn. And uh, there's always so many great responses in the Rec Poker forums, which are free to join. You don't even need a premium account for that. To sign up for a free community account, all you need is an email address and a smile, although both are mandatory. Um, this week, this isn't a forum post, but it's a conversation that was started uh, because of this fantastic free roll tournament that uh, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino are having very soon. If this, I'm not sure exactly when this episode is going to come out, but on January 28th, it's the Hockey Day free roll. The buy-in is free, and there's a $5,000 purse uh, prize pool that's been put up by the Running Aces. Um, it's open to anyone who has a player's card from the casino there, and you get to just kind of show up and try your luck against the other regular members at Running Aces in this $5,000 free roll. So that's not that. I mean, that's great. Th that's not that complicated. The thing that makes it kind of strategically interesting is that you can add on chips for $10. And this is a pretty common uh, situation with promotional free rolls like this. There's a prize pool. It's free. And then you have the option of adding on chips for a surcharge. In this case, um, it's an unlimited number of add-ons available, but no rebuys. You have to have chips in front of you in order to add on. Um, so it's not like a get-it-a-jail-free card. You have to kind of plan ahead a little bit. And one of the things I thought we'd talk about tonight, well, Chris Jones, who, who runs all the, the most of the learning material over here, um, thought this would be a good time to kind of talk about some strategies that we might take going into this. So Chris, you've got the structure sheet up there. Can you just share some of the details yeah. about the tournament with our just audience? Just a few, a few more kind of details about this tournament, this specific tournament, I, but this will apply to other, if you see these kinds of things, they're fairly common. You should look at the structure sheet if you're starting off, if you're playing one of these somewhere else, because they will be slightly different. But I think it's really good to look at a structure sheet and then come up with a strategy. So and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you already, Chris. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out if you're if you're a little behind in your podcast episodes, there's actually another free roll at Running Aces on March 18th, the mm -hmm. post patty free roll. So just after St. Patrick's Day. So even if you're not catching this in time to make the hockey day free roll on January 28th. March 18th, I'm sure, is right around the corner. And I'm sure it's the, the exact same structure sheet. Yeah, Everything they, that we talk about tonight should should uh, apply. They used to do this every Monday night, but I think they're now getting back to it, sort of doing it every once in a while, probably six six or eight times a year kind of thing. But um, so here's here's uh, some other things. Like you mentioned, this is a, a freeze-out structure. So you cannot get back in if you get knocked out. Um, which is a key part to sort of like making a decision here. It's not like you can go rebuy, right? Like once you're out, you're out. Um, the free chips that you get, uh, you get 2,000 free chips. So you can show up, you can just show up and take your chances, try to run up your stack, which on level one, the blinds are a 100 with a 200 big blind ante and a, and a so it's 100, 200 with a 200 big blind ante. So you basically have 10 big blinds with the free stack at the starting level. Um, and then you can add on a stack for $10, can add increments of 5,000. So you could have 7,000, 12,000, you know, all the way up to like, I, I don't know, maybe you could, <laughs> you could really go for it, right? You could pile <laughs> on the chips if you wanted to, but would that be a good idea? I think that's part of what we wanted to have this conversation around. It's like, what is the optimum way to play a tournament like this? 
Um, the other thing that you can do um, is sort of add on in sort of increments, right? You can add on as many of these as you want um, up until the first break, I think. Um, and so you could potentially like start off with just the free stack or start off with one add-on and then be like, oh, now I'm getting short. I'm going to add on a few more. So you could do that as well. So the, 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 that is allowed within the rules. Um, as long as you have one chip in front of you, you can add on. But if you have zero chips in front of you, you you're out. Um, one, more, one more question, Chris. What are, what are the length of the blinds? The blinds. How long is each level? Are uh, that's a good question. Each like 10 minutes level is I thought they used to be 12 minute blinds, maybe 12. Yeah, I am not seeing this on the hmm. I'll poke around a bit while you keep talking about uh, 12 12 minute 12 minute blinds 12 minute blinds still seems fast life. Yeah, that's super fast. Oh, it is. It's It's, hugely fast. It goes really fast. I've can, you add, can you add on while you're in the hand? No, no, no. I think it. I think it <laughs> counts at the start of the next hand. Yeah, good question. I got man. aces. I want a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, I mean, great. I thought I, I, I thought this would be a really interesting conversation because I think there's a lot of considerations here. I think I see people show up at these with very different strategies there's some people who just go with their you know like i'm going to take my 2000 chips i'm just going to get it in hope to spin it up and like let's go uh i see some people show up and the pile on the chips just to start i see some people take that kind of incremental approach like i'm gonna start off and if i get unhealthy then i'm gonna add on and and whatever um what what does everyone what does anyone have any thoughts or they, what they think are the best approaches to this to this spot yeah, so my my uh, first thought is we're always playing the effective stack, right? So if nobody adds on and we add on, it doesn't matter, right? But if the worst player adds on like five times, well, maybe I should add on five times. If the best player adds on, maybe I shouldn't add on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I kind of like the idea also. The thing that occurred to me is... Um, if no one else at your table has added on and you add on, then you can, you can not bust. It's impossible for you to bust. And even if you lose everything that you could lose in that hand, you can still add on on the next hand. If, if another player at your table loses a hand with you and you've got them covered and they're all in, they can't rebuy. So there's this, there's this element of sort of being invincible at the table if you have the other players covered because you can't bust and they can. Now, that seems like a way that you could apply some pressure uh, in some circumstances. Yeah, there was yeah. one player who I know uh, one year bought $500 worth of, spent $500 on it. Um, <laughs> so that gave him, you know, whatever that would have been, <laughs> a huge ship amount. But he basically, and he did end up winning the tournament. Mm. But he only won a few hundred dollars because it costs so much for, you know, he spent so much on the chips. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of this, that was what launched this conversation was like, so what's the, what's the correct amount, you know, like, is there a sign? Can we unlock this in some, in some way? Can we find it? Like what's the best EV line there? Yeah. Taylor. 
Yeah, I mean, the mathematically correct uh, response to it is to not add on because there's the value of like chips, right? Like if you have 2,000 in chips or 5,000 in chips, uh, your next 2,000 or 5,000 above that is not worth as much as uh, what you currently have because that last chip that you have can be your tournament life and you can, you know, win a bunch of hands and spin it up and earn all the chips rather than buying them. Um, however, that's probably not like the realistic answer, uh, to something like that, because, you know, you have to drive all the way there. Uh, if you're playing such a short stack, you potentially have a very short tournament life. So there is some sort of like life EV, uh, types of things that like, if I was showing up there, there's no way that I would, uh, not buy an add on, even though I like, know that's like the best for my ROI because, you know, it's a free roll. Um, but I think there's a lot to be said around the the topic of what are the other people at your table doing? Because uh, if no one at your table buys a single add-on uh, and you do, you're kind of hurting yourself. And likewise, if everyone at the table buys two add-ons and you buy zero, you're also hurting yourself. So it's kind of a, a weird way of like, I think you kind of have to follow the people around you. I don't know that I completely agree with your premise there. Um, because I think if you look at your hourly rate, doing zero add-ons for a good poker player is probably not the maximal hourly rate. I think you, by, by it, particularly in this tournament, in this tournament, there is more erratic play. There are people who don't quite even know the ranks of the hands playing. Um, so I think the, EV, if you are a good player, can be very, very high. So I think, and I think, you know, even just one buy on add on more than doubles your chances of going deep um, in, in this. So I'm not sure that the ROI in this particular one, I'm not sure the highest ROI is going to come from at doing no add ons. Well, I can guarantee the highest ROI comes from doing zero add-ons because uh, anything divided by yeah. zero is infinity. But your, <laughs> right. But your hourly rate and uh, discussion around that topic is very correct, right? Because you could be, you know, trying to play short stack for two hours, get nothing out of it, and you wasted two hours. But if you gave yourself more chips, you're more likely to ha- uh, have a an expected payout. Um, and then, like, you improve your hourly rate that way. So I, I, I do agree with that. The other thing I think about that, sorry, the, the, just to kind of add on to that, like, that the first add-on is such a big deal to me. Like, it's more valuable than the rest of the add-ons because, as Jim pointed out, you cover all the people who are coming and being like, I'm just going to spin it up with my 2000 and they're going to have to get it in desperate. They're going to, you're just going to be allowed to sort of catch those chips when you have the hands that can do that. And if you know what you're doing, um, that's a really valuable place to put yourself in. And then I'm not, I think the more you add on, I'm, I'm kind of also, then you're right. It depends on what other players are you doing at your table. But I think it's for me, my perspective, it's a mistake not to do the first add on because you're allowed to sort of like catch those chips as they, as they come. But Ben, yeah, you, when were, I was, you were about to jump in there. Yeah. yeah I was just, I was just trying to take like a more of a, 
I don't know, finger in the wind kind of thing, as Matt Staples would call it. But um, can't you just kind of look at how much they're guaranteeing, roughly how many players you think you're going to play, and then make a, an estimated judgment on, okay, how many bullets you should fire? And also use some of the information, like you're saying, at the table to say, okay, who's who's adding on, who's not adding on, how are they playing, and stuff like that. And then kind of con- combine all these factors to try and use that to try and say, okay, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll add on a, add on a bullet. Cause you know, I want to match this guy who's splashing around and I want to, you know, collect some of those chips so I can last longer in the tournament and potentially, you know, make more money. Yeah. I think it, a lot of it comes, I, I, I like that we're kind of coming at this from a few different directions, a few different perspectives. Um, Cause the first thing that I thought of, uh, when I was thinking about this was, I think, similar to Taylor's idea, which is that you have an infinite ROI on that first stack. So there's like a mathematical argument for just that's your best edge right there. Your 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 next stack of chips is going to cost something. So no matter how much you win by it, it can never have that same kind of absolute ROI. But um, that's a pretty academic argument as opposed to I think what what John was getting at about uh, having an hourly rate or you know giving yourself a better chance of winning the tournament or a better chance of placing higher in the tournament giving yourself some extra chips is going to be a good way to do that um the other thing that occurs to me is that for me it would really depend on who was at my table and who else like if the player to my right has bought on a bunch and let's say everyone's the same skill level if the player to my right has added on a few, I'm probably adding on a few. If the player to my left uh, has added on a few, but everyone else has the same, I'm less inclined to play deep because I'd rather have the stack on my right so I can have position on them. And uh, just like Taylor was saying as well, if the, or I think it was Eric, if the uh, better players have deeper stacks, I want to, you know, I'm the wreck. I want to use my short stack ninja powers to my advantage and nullify their, uh, their skill advantage by playing a shorter stack there. One thing to remember is this tournament goes so quick that whatever mm. situation you're optimizing for, wait five minutes and it's going to be. Different. <laughs> um, so it, it, these tournaments can be a lot of fun. Uh, and I've played them several times. Um, and I don't know that I necessarily do the straight up optimal approach, but kind of my approach is I'm willing to spend up to a hundred dollars maximum. If everything falls just right, uh, that's reasonable for me for a night of play. Typically what I'll do is I'll get five add-ons four to five right away. Uh, and that way I'll have most of the table, Covered or close to covered, I'm not in any danger early on in it. And then I'll be willing to add on if if the situation presents itself, if I think I'm still playing well, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I've run pretty deep in these. Uh, I, I have to look back at my records. I don't know if I've ever won one, but I know I've come in the top two or three spots before. Um, and they are pretty fun. Hmm. That's I a think- good point to to. Pre- to mention your bankroll i mean whatever you're if you could just budget however much you want to spend um you know if i only want to spend 50 bucks then go in with go buy your first buy-in and then 
and cap what you're going to buy in for. Well, and we did interview someone on this podcast who won one of these free rolls off of the free roll. They had, or Uh maybe it was like one extra buy-in or something like that. Something. So it is possible to do. Rob, do you have something there? Yeah, Rob, I was just going to jump. But people, I I know people have done that who've run just the the free bullet and and won it. Rob Washington. Yeah, I've played I've played these number of times, like John has said. Um, I think when I played them, there was a limit, though, as to the number of add-ons, and I think it was five. Hmm. So, to me, if you have 2,000 chips and the blind levels are 12, 12 minutes, and so you've got 10 big blinds, you're not, you're going to see three hands. <laughs> before the the next level so think think about if do you want to play poker or do you just want to gamble if you just want to gamble go over a slot machine throw the money in and be done you know <laughs> but if you want to play poker you're going to have to have some chips in front of you and when you say you look around the table and to see what you know if everybody's at your level that's never going to happen in this tournament Mm. You, anyone in this room right here that any one of us nine are going to be dominating talent wise in that tournament, I guarantee <laughs> you. So, cause the, the big guys are not playing these free rolls. Yeah. What you have is a lot of recreational people that don't study. They want to play poker. They want to have fun. They sit down. They don't even buy in over their 2000 chips. They give them away right away. So I think you need to have some chips over and above everybody at your table right away. Hmm. So what I would do is I would buy up to my $50. If that's what I was going to spend that night for playing poker, I just buy that right now. So I'd have 27,000 chips and I guarantee you there'd be four or five people at the table that were not going to buy add on at all. So now you're ahead of all that. And that's all free money. That's all free to you because you have no, risk of ruin because Mm. they are going to go out within the first two rounds and you're going to collect all that money. So do you want to play poker or do you want to just throw some money in a slot machine? That's up to you. (laughs) If you want to play poker, you better add on. (laughs) And Rob makes a good point about like the field for this. And I think John made this point as well, but I mean, it really is a significant factor because like, when this kind of opportunity comes across, what what tends to happen when I've been there and this has I've I've participated in some of these too, what tends to happen is there's people who show up intentionally to p- take part in the free roll, but then there's people who are like playing blackjack or you know doing whatever, and they hear oh there's a free tournament oh fun let's go play you're right and like they've never played poker maybe in their life so the, the skill level at this tournament is very low. I would say Um, not to put any or less experience, let's just say, you know, not to put any value judgments on it. Um, So you can, if you have a skill edge in this tournament, you have actually a pretty massive one. Yeah. That's, that's a point worth reinforcing that this is one of those rare poker tournaments where there might be multiple people at your table who don't know whether a straight beats three of a kind. That's not hyperbole like that, that you might actually you don't get many opportunities to to play those games where there's a real cash prize at the end. Um, so there's a much softer field than the rec poker home game league, just to be clear. 
this is a particularly soft field. Um, so I kind of get the argument for, uh, you know, I, I like, I think it was Rob who was talking about your own bankroll. Um, and excuse me if it was someone, it was Eric, it was about uh, your own bankroll. If, uh, if, if you're really at the point where, you know, you, you're a play money player, then I don't think there's anything wrong with coming in and trying to spin up that, that free stack. But for $10, I mean, if you get a chance to triple the stack of the less experienced players at the table for $10, I think that does translate into a non-trivial um, increase in your ability to place in the money uh, or even, even to win the tournament. So I guess having, are there any other factors? Yeah, Ben. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask Rob. So, by the sounds of your strategy, you would sit down and you would you would automatically get chips no matter what you're getting, you know, two or three or four or however many you feel comfortable with in your bankroll. You're doing that right away or are you are you spacing that out or what's your thoughts on that? You're doing it I'm right doing away. right away. The, the blinds move so fast that those chips don't last very long. Right. I mean, unless you, you know, if you want to. If you want to be patient and wait for big hands and and try to play um, that way, you're not going to be able to do it with 2,000 chips. Mm. Like I said, if you want to play with 2,000 chips and you just want to um, go to a roulette table or go to a slot mm. machine, stick your money in there and be done. Right. That's, that's what that's what you're doing. You know, mm. you're just getting it all in with any stupid ace. Um, hoping, hoping you, you know, at the beginning of a tournament, you don't want to do that. Right. Right. Um, of course. So I like to have a, a, I like to have a starting balance that would be more similar to the types of tournaments that I normally would play in knowing that the blinds are so fast that you're only going to get three or four hands per round before, you know, before the blinds change. So, I mean, that, that really, if you bring in 25,000 chips, so now you start with 27,000, that's still not going to last you very long. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way the the blinds go up, it's just like boom, 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 boom. Pretty soon you're sitting there at 15 big blinds, even though you bought in for, you know, $50. So, right. Yeah, because I've never had the experience of playing and playing in, in even a live tournament before. So I'm just trying to like grasp, you know, kind of like how, you know, and I know 10 minutes, 12 minutes is long time online, but in on live, mm. you know, it changes it a lot. So, yeah, I think I play in tournaments that are 20 minute blinds. And to me, that's fast. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just, I mean, that's like a turbo, right? Yeah. So it's uh, when you get, you make it 12 and it's, boy, it's nothing. Mm. Eric, Jen, you had something there, I think. Yeah, it just, um, yeah, we're talking about how fast the blinds go. And I was thinking that, you know, we said that a lot of these players haven't played poker. So that's going to slow down the game even more. Mm, it's great. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, oh, it's, it's on me. Oh, it's somebody. Yeah. So that, especially live, that's going <laughs> to, that's going to really slow down things. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And that matters when it's only 12 minute blinds. So I think, so me thinking about it after hearing this conversation, if I was playing in this tournament, and again, I'll just remind folks, so even if you're not listening to this in time for the January 28th Hockey Day free roll, March 18th at Running Aces, there's the post-Paddy Day free roll. They've also got a couple exciting events coming up between now and then on February 2nd through 5th, the For Love of Money. It's a multi-day event. There's qualifiers starting on January 30th. 
uh, March one through five. There's the pot of gold. Um, the for the love of money is a five hundred dollar buy-in. The pot of gold is a three hundred and sixty dollar buy-in. And then on March eighteenth, there's the post patty day free roll, um, which is going to be the same structure as what we're talking about here tonight. So if I was to play in this one, I think the first thing I would do would be to add on once. And I'd want to cover the other players at the table. I'd want to be invincible to busting on the first hand. And I'd also like to see who else at my table decides to buy on when I buy on, when I add on. Uh, because if no one does, if no one adds on, including myself, I'm not going to know who are the blackjack and roulette players that have just come to play the free tournament. But um, if I add on and then someone, you know, two other players do and the rest don't, that's going to kind of impact how I how I think about their ranges and the level that they're thinking on and that kind of thing. So I can, I'm going to get a lot of information about my opponents by whether they add on or not. And then I would probably only add on from that point onwards if I was finding myself covered uh, at the table or if there were other players that that had two or three add-ons or doubled up or tripled up or something like that. Um, I, I hear a couple people on the panel saying that they'd just throw that 50 down right off the bat. And for me, the I, I'm such a life knit. I'd, <laughs> I'd be like, well, maybe I can just double up a couple times here and save, you know, only, only end up putting 20 or 30 down right off the bat. And then I could add on that extra 10 later if I wanted to. But uh, John? Probably. So for those of you who played this before, I'm guessing the average number of buy-ins when you sit down at your first table is probably two to three. Per so seat, you, per player? Per, per player. Yeah. I mean, there are going to be some who have more, some who have less, but you're not going to, if you just do the, you talked about doing one add-on to cover the table, you're not going to be covering the table. Right. And keep in mind that one add-on barely get you know that gets you 30 big blinds 32 big blinds and with these this with some of the players that are in there they're just going to be pushing so those 30 big blinds don't last as long as 30 big blinds will later in the tournament and later in the tournament it does settle down and become more like a real tournament mm -hmm. once most of the players who don't understand how to play have uh been knocked out that makes sense. Well, any other thoughts on this fun structure? I mean, I, I think you're going to see formats like this in other promotional free roll tournaments. And uh, I guess let's just sum it up for the audience here. So, so some of the factors that you might consider are the stacks of the other players at the table, the experience levels of the other players at the table, the blind structure and how often they're going up. Um, you know, look right and look left and just think about, you know, where would you rather be with a big stack in comparison? Um, anything else? Is there, is there any other thoughts or any other factors or strategies that we might share with the audience before we roll on out of here, gang? I don't see any. So I'll just remind uh, our listeners, you know, we just owe so much to the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino for their support over the years. Um uh, January 28th. And again, I think most of our listeners are probably not going to hear it in time to join for that one. But that March 18th uh, post patty free roll, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And if you are playing in any of these, and you have a good time, please send me an email or, or tweet at me tweet at rec poker or at rec poker gym or send me an email jim at rec dot poker. And tell me 
did the advice help? Did you add on? Didn't you add on? What was your thoughts? Uh, what made you decide to or not to? And uh, hopefully some people can rake in some cash over their running aces, uh, benefits, uh, compliments of them and from some great advice they heard here on the Rec Poker Podcast. So I guess without further ado, uh, I'll thank Chris Jones, Ben Enslow, Rob Washam, Eric Anderson, Eric Jin, Taylor Moss, and John Somsky for joining me here for this forums edition of the Rec Poker Podcast. Of course, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, but mostly you, the listeners. We couldn't do it without you. So thanks for your support, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.